last Sunday we began Romans 5. And, and last Sunday I read the first 11 verses just to get that picture of, of the complete thought that was going there. And today we're just going to begin with these first two verses. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, and keep in mind, anytime you see that, in light of what has already been said in the first four chapters of this letter that he's written, and it gets to this point with a therefore, therefore in light of all these things, and he's been talking about justification by faith. He's been talking about there's none righteous, no, not one. That there's no partiality with God whether Jew or Gentile or whatever it may be, without Christ, there is no salvation found in just the law, but it must be in Christ and in Christ alone, justification by faith in Christ. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So Father, once again, I just want to say, Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in His name I pray. Amen. Now last Sunday I asked the question, well what exactly does it mean to have peace with God? What does it mean to have peace with God? And first and foremost I think I could say this, that it means that we have been justified by faith. By grace we have been saved through faith. We are then of those who are saved. Save from what? Save from wrath. Uh, he would say that in verse 9 of Romans 5. Verse 9, Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. See, all, this all means that we are no longer, for those who have been justified by faith, to those who are born again, born of the Spirit, it means that we're no longer an enemy of God because before faith came, we were all, all, once an enemy of God, but now no longer enemies. Now we're joint heirs with Christ. Now we've been adopted as sons and daughters to God the Father. We have fellowship in Him, knowing that our eternal destiny is secure. And I believe that this peace with God that Paul is talking about here is talking of our identity. It's who we are now. It's those who are in Christ and every born-again believer has this peace with God. It's a peace relationship. No longer an enemy, but now a friend of God. A joint heir with Christ. And this peace with God was brought to mankind how? And only how? Through Christ. And through the work of the cross. And through the blood of the cross. In Colossians 1 verses 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him were the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. That's how peace came. 
He came that we might be reconciled to God the Father. So for those in Christ, those who have been brought near by the blood of Christ, we have peace with God. I I pray we get a firm grip on that, of who we are. If you are born again, if we can get a firm grip on, on understanding that, it can change how we react and respond to everything else on this earth. To know that we are His. That I belong to Him. That if I am His, and He is for me, who can be against me? To know Him. And to know that our identity, our standing with God is secure. It's permanent. It's everlasting. It's eternal. Because it's being kept by the power of God. It's a promise given by Him. And He is a God who cannot lie. Every true born again believer is being kept by the power of God. And I want to read a couple of verses we read last week. Just, just to bring it all together. In 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. We're being kept by the power of God. And I'll ask again, is there anything, anyone, any power greater than the power of God? No, no, no. Here, what did Jesus say in John 10, verse 27 through 29? My sheep hear my voice. Who's the sheep? Well, those are part of the fold, part of the flock, the born again. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I give them what? Eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither can anyone snatch them out of my hand. Is there any place more secure than to be held by the Lord's hand? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Child of God, aren't you thankful for that? See, that should give us a great confidence. That should give us great assurance in this life that we live. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way uh, of, of Romans 5. He said, The apostle is reminding us that through our Lord Jesus Christ and by means of justification by faith, we have peace with regard to God. Paul means that by justification by faith, these obstacles which exist between God and sinner are removed, have ceased to be, and that there is an entirely new relationship. There was formerly a barrier. There was a state of enmity. There was a state of war and antagonism. But being justified by faith, all that, 
has gone. And a condition of peace is established between God and the one who believes that God raised Jesus from the dead, who was delivered up for our offenses and raised for our justification. Here then, we have the absolute certainty of our salvation, of our final glorification. There is a certainty in knowing that we have peace with regard to God, that there is peace between God and me, and me and God, and it is all through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, having been, means that this has been done once and forever. It is one act. It is a declarative act of God in which He makes a declaration that because He has imputed our sins in Christ, He pronounces us to be just once and forever. End quote. Justified once. A declarative act of God. You're not justified today and do something or something happened to you and tomorrow, oops, I'm not justified. You understand that? Once justified, once born again, born of God, we just read what can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Nothing. Now, does that mean we will not sin? Doesn't mean that. But it means that we are His child and will forever be His child. Those who have, have children or, or raised children, or if you are a child, uh, do, do you ever mess up? Do you ever disobey your parents? Yeah, yeah. Does that mean you're no longer your parents' child? No. They're forever you are forever their child, regardless of how you act or what you do. You may be acting in disobedience. You may be doing all manner of thing, but you are their child. And once we are born again, once we are a child of God, we are forever His child. Nothing can change that. Born of God. And so I pray that we can all, every believer, have that great confidence and assurance in knowing without a shadow of a doubt that they have a peace with God. And nothing, absolutely nothing, can change this peace relationship. So now, having said that, I want us to go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, because here Paul talks about a different kind of peace. In Romans 5, he is talking about peace with God our identity, our relationship, who we are before God the Father, redeemed, born again. And then in, in uh, Philippians 4, he's going to be talking about a different type of peace. So let's, let's do this. Let's begin, because you know this passage so well, uh, begin in, uh, we're going to read 4 through 7, but let's just put verse 4 up. Let's start there. Rejoice in the Lord, Always. Again, I will say, rejoice! Exclamation mark. <laughs> what do you think Paul's trying to get across? That we should rejoice? Understand this. The, the Philippians were going through some very tough times. 
They were going through trials and tribulations and a multitude of things. And I believe that Paul is making this declaration or this command that, that he is asking them to rise above their trials and tribulations, to rise above their circumstance, and to rejoice in the God of their salvation. In the midst of whatever they may be, may be facing, rejoice. Well, how can, how, how can we do that? How can we have joy? How can we, Paul, you're, you're asking us to command our emotion to just flip a switch and, and, and all of a sudden be happy. That's not what he's asking. It's not what he's asking. John MacArthur said this of joy. Joy is not a feeling. Christian joy. Okay? Joy is not a feeling. Now listen, this, this is good. And I wish I'd have made it where it, uh, put it up on the screen where you could read it. Joy is the deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and his own glory, and thus all is well no matter what the circumstances. That's great. I'm going to read it again. Joy is the deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and for his own glory. And thus, all is well, no matter what the circumstances. See, we should have sung the old hymn this morning, it is well, it is well. Yeah, if we're in Christ, all is well. All tribulations and trials may come while we're here, but all with Him, with Him. And, and he goes up, John goes on to say this, the only sure, reliable, unwavering, Unchanging source of joy is God. That is why Paul commands believers to rejoice in the Lord. End quote. I thought that was great. You see, joy is having a deep down confidence that God is in control. To, to be able to rejoice and have a confidence in who we are before God the Father. That, that's all I've been trying to, to say. I believe that's what Paul is saying there in Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, then, then, then this should be you. Now, let, let's, let's tack that in with the other verses there, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all Men, <laughs> let me pause. <laughs> See, you may go all men or all people. You mean, wait a minute, you mean I I'm to let my gentleness be known even to those people who mistreat me and, and say all manner of things about, that's, surely that's, yeah it is. It's exactly what he means. Let your gentleness be known. In other words, your humble graciousness. I, I thought that was a good phrase. I don't know who I got that from. Your humble graciousness. In spite of mistreatment, injustice, in spite of unfair treatment, rise above your circumstance. I believe that's what Paul was telling the Philippians. Rise above your circumstance. 
Paul will state this in a, in a few more verses where he says that he has learned that in whatever state or condition he is in to be what? Content. To rise above the circumstances of life. And, and he was in some horrid, awful circumstances. Amen? Rejoice the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Or the Lord is near. Now let me ask, For the born again, can he be any nearer? You understand what I'm saying? Who resides in us? The very Spirit of God. Can he be any nearer than that? Never forget that. God is near to the believer. He is, resides in us. And we should not be fearful. Because He resides in us, should we ever be fearful, anxious, or wavering? No. And let me qualify that. There will be momentarily times of fear. God built within us fear. Walking on a trail, come across a rattlesnake that you don't see. It rattles, you jump. God put that in you to jump. That's a part of how He made us. So momentary fear will come. Momentary things of worry will come. You get a phone call. Oh, such and such was just in an accident. Oh my goodness. And that's, that's going to cause us to have great concern. You see? But in the midst of even those things that it wouldn't take us long as, as the emotional shock of the moment subsides that we would be able to gather ourselves both emotionally and spiritually and come before the Lord. To come before Him realizing that we should be strong and of good courage. Solid and stable. And oh Lord, help me even as I may be facing this. Lord, help me. Help me, help me. Come before Him. His throne boldly that we may find help in time of need, you see. Take those moments. I pray that as you, as you mature in your Christian faith, that, that the, the, the time span in between the shock of a moment and the time that you can gather yourself and turn to the Lord will get shorter and shorter in duration. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you, I hope that comes across okay. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, now listen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, here we have the peace of God. You know, there's in Romans 5, peace with God. Here in Philippians 4, peace of God. What's the difference? And preacher, why would you even talk about such a minuscule thing as a, as a little two-letter word or a little four-letter word? Why the difference? Now listen, to be at peace with God brings heavenly security. This is our identity. This is who we are in Christ. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate us from the love of God. That is who we are. Understand that. 
But to have peace, the peace of God, brings earthly stability. This is our walk. This peace comes by our daily trusting and believing the Word of God, the Word of truth. And the peace of God is the life application of our having peace with God. Does that make sense? The peace with God is the right standing that we have of of being justified by faith. And then our living here on earth should be the life application of that peace with God by being at peace, having the peace of God. Having peace with God, being saved to the uttermost, does not take away the trials and tribulations of this life. We all know that. We all know that. It's the peace of God that enables us to have a calm assurance in the midst of the storms of life. Here, I'll say it this way. Every true born-again believer, every Christian has peace with God. You understand that? I hope. I've said it over and over and over. That's identity. That's who we are as being redeemed and born again. But not all Christians walk in the peace of God. Does that make sense? Though you may be born again, born of God, a child of God, yet the circumstances of life have overcome you. And you don't have peace. Peace in the life application part. Peace while we're walking around yet here on this earth. So every Christian true believer has peace with God, identity, but not every Christian is walking around on this earth with the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. As Paul will say this in Colossians 3 verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. Well, preacher, how do I do that? How do I do that? How's that happen? How, how can I have peace while walking around in this crazy old world with all the garbage that's going on and everything that's coming at me? How can I have peace? Well, <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say right here? here? Preach your own sermon for just a few seconds. Answer the question yourself in your mind. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. We can have peace when we trust every bit that's found in His Word. And take everything to Him and say, what saith Scripture? Trusting that the Word of God is true, that His promises are true. Believe the Word, trust the Word, obey the Word, and we will have peace. Does that sound about right? Believe the Word, trust the Word, obey the Word, and we will have peace. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. There's great truth to that old hymn. Here's your homework assignment. Get you an old hymn book or look it up online and read the lyric. Don't do it right now. Trust and obey.
Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. You know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. See, why are there times when I or when when we are not at peace? Not at peace in our daily walk. I believe it's because of that at those moments of a lack of peace and whatever it may be, unrest, worry, anxiety, plug in whatever you want to there. I believe at, the, at those moments that we're not trusting Him as we should, but we are at those moments we're leaning on our own understanding. We're trying to figure it out of, our, out of ourselves or, or perhaps we're in our minds we're going, how can I fix this? And we're going, well, I'll go talk to so-and-so. They're a lawyer, they're a doctor, or they're a this, or they're, I'll go who, and we'll start looking for earthly answers when the first thing we should do is what? Go to the Heavenly Father. Pray, pray, pray. Look to God at all times. Trust Him with our whole heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Put, put yourself in the verse. Lord, help me to trust You with all my heart. Lord, help me that I would not lean on just my own understanding. Lord, help me that I would acknowledge You in all my ways. Lord, help me. Help me because I know You have promised You will direct my path. That's a great promise, isn't it? That's it, it, a great promise that, that we read in Philippians. That, that if, we'll, if we'll go to Him, and if we'll trust Him, the, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we need that. I need that. We, we need our minds to be guarded from the bombardment of the things of this world. True? We do. So Lord, help me to look. Help me to trust. Here, let's remind you a few verses. It seems like every few months we're reading almost this exact same list of verses. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And I've got to ask myself, is that me? Ask yourself, is that you? When troubles come, when you're in a season of drought in your life, when you're in a trial, whatever it is that you may be facing, are you facing it as a tree that's planted by the water that's healthy and green and continues to bear fruit? Or are we facing it as a tree that's left out in the desert with no water and we're just shriveling up? No fruit, no nothing. Psalms 57 verses 3 and 4. Whenever I am afraid, 
Remember a while ago when I said sometimes things will come that will shock us? They will. They will come. And we will have those times of momentary fear. But I pray that we can do as the psalmist says here, whenever I am afraid, and it's going to come to you. It's going to come to me. It's going to come. But here's the thing. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust you. I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His Word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. And then he adds, what can flesh do to me? So I I pray that, that none of us would be in a situation where a gun's pointed at our head. Or, or there's some conflict uh, uh, at war or, or something like that, that, that we would find our very lives in danger. But what can flesh do to us? What What's the worst? What's the worst? Well, be killed. But for the child of God, what is that? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul had that, you know, for, for me to die is gain. To, to me, to stay is yet helpful. And, and, and I'm conflicted between the two. I want to go to be with Jesus, but yet I want to stay and continue the work that He's given me to do. Whenever you should find yourself afraid, regardless of why you're afraid, what should we do? Remind ourselves of the promises. Remind ourselves of the promises. Look to God, trust Him. Joshua one nine, one nine. Here, go to this verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He is with us. He is always with us. Go to His. Go to His promises. In John sixteen verse thirty three, Jesus said this. This is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He came that we would have peace with God and also that in this life we may walk in peace. But in John 16, 33, says this, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now, I'm going to say this can be twofold right here. That in Christ you may have peace. Peace with God. Because it's through Christ, isn't it? It's through Christ, through the work of the cross, through the blood of the cross. We read it earlier today. It is only through Christ. He is the only way. There is no other way to God the Father than except Jesus Christ. So it is through Him, the Prince of Peace, that we may have peace with God. But also, it is in trusting in Him that we can have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding while we're walking on this earth. Because Jesus says this, In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus. Knowing Jesus. We sang about it this morning. In Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4, I hope you've got this marked in your Bible. I hope you have this memorized. I hope you can keep coming back to this in times when you worry or where you fear. And you can look at this and go, Lord, wait, wait, wait. Why? Why? Why am I worried? Why am I anxious? Why am I fearful? Because here it says, you, God, that's the you, will keep Him, that's you, that's you. The, the Him is, is non-gender here. 
<laughs> That's weird to say in this time, isn't it? But here that can mean male or female in this, in the language of the day, back in the day. You, God, will keep them, those, in perfect peace whose mind is what stayed on you, whose mind is fixed, whose mind is focused on you. Why? Why why would we have perfect peace when our mind is fixed on Him? Because He, because we trust in You. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. This is a great verse, or great two verses. I've had discussions with people through the years about this verse. Well, I'm trusting God, but I'm still feel for I'm still I'm still anxious. I'm still still fearful. I'm still wait, 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 wait. Read the verse. What does it say? Because I think sometimes we may convince ourselves that we're trusting God <laughs> when we're not. You understand what I'm saying? In all reality, we're not. Oh, we could say, well, oh yeah, we're trusting Him, but then as those words are coming out of our mouth in our brain, we're just going all over the place with worry and fear and anxiety. What does it say? You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, is fixed, is focused on you. And I believe that is true. Because this is His Word and He is a God who cannot lie. Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. <laughs> what a better place to be. Yeah, get, get, uh, Sierra's got chickens and, and sometimes she'll have a brooder that will raise, lay on eggs and, and, uh, after, was it 21 days or whatever that is, something like that. Uh, before long, you'll, you'll see a little head pop out. Usually, you know, the chicken, the little head will pop out there by the wing or, or from underneath or something. And that little chick is being kept the perfect temperature, is being kept perfectly safe under the mother's wing. And, and man, that is, that is a picture of us as a child of God. We're under, there's verses that talks about being under his wing. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. We sang it this morning. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. Because Jesus alone is our source of hope and our expectation of the glory yet to come. Child of God, may the facts of your identity with God bring you comfort and peace and assurance because you have peace with God. And child of God, as you walk this earth, may we continually, continually go to Him in prayer and look to Him and stay focused and fixed on Him and He will grant that we can have peace while we're even walking in this world. This I know because the world many anyway, are wanting peace. And they're trying to find peace in a multitude of ways, in a multitude of different fashions, some things that are 
quite unhealthy, perhaps trying to find peace in the midst of trials and tribulations by going to drugs or alcohol and just dulling it, their senses. But this I know, you will never know the peace of God. You will never have peace on this earth until first you know and have peace with God. You understand what I'm saying? You will never, ever, ever. See, this is for those who do not believe. This is for the unbeliever. You will never have peace on this earth until first you are at peace with God and a peace relationship with Him. To be born again, to be born of the Spirit, to know that you are a true believer. Because in John 3, verse 36, it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. This is, this is in regard to justification by faith. This is in in regard to those who have trusted and believe and, and, and have, uh, by faith, uh, by grace through faith, have been saved and, and they have repented of their sin and they are born again. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You will not have peace until you have a peace relationship with God and that only comes through receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. How do I do that? Let's read verses that we read so often, and it's from Romans 9. And, and I hope you see the correlation. And we have been reading or from Romans 10. We've been reading from Romans 10 for years and years and years. But now as we're going through the book of Romans, I hope you see what Paul is leading up to. You know, we're in chapter 5. He's been talking about all these things coming up to chapter 5. And you can see where he's going because we read from chapter 10 almost every Sunday. That if you confess with your mouth in John, or Romans 10, verses 9 through 13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And, and, and again, what will you be saved from? The wrath that was in the verse that we just read. You'll be saved from wrath. You'll no longer be an enemy of God, but you will be a child of God, saved from wrath. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord in faith, believing in the completed work of Jesus Christ, will be saved, will have eternal life. Jesus died on the cross that we might be saved to the, other, to the uttermost, that we may have peace with God and a right standing before Him. No longer enemies with God, but now the family of God, joint heirs with Christ. And if you are born again this morning, rejoice. And again, I will say, rejoice in knowing the God of your salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we give thanks for Your Word. It's Your Word that leads us to salvation. Your Word, the truth of Your Word, moved along by Your Spirit to draw sinners to Yourself. 
And I pray, Lord, that should someone be listening to the sermon and they yet do not know Christ, that by the truth of your word and the power of your spirit, that you would reveal to them the gospel of Christ, that you would reveal to them your holiness and your justice, and that, Lord, that they would see themselves as sinners in the hands of an angry God. Then, Lord, as they see their sin and as they tremble before you, Father, that you would show them the rescue. Show them the cross of Christ. Lord, that you would grant them by your grace, grant them faith that they might believe, that they may receive Christ, that they might repent of their sins, that they would turn from their wicked ways and turn to Christ having Him as Lord of their life and following Him the rest of their days. And Lord, for those of us who are born again, I pray, Lord, that You would help us in our mind to sort it all out, that we would have great confidence in knowing who we are as born-again believers, that we are Yours and nothing can separate us from You. And Lord, help us to live our lives here on this earth with that confidence and trusting you that regardless of what happens, you are in control. That nothing can steal away from us that deep-seated joy that we have in knowing Jesus. So Father, help us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.